Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name's Richard Porritt, and I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello, Snowflakes. Hello, Richard. Hi, Steve. How are you? Um, well... Um, um, at the moment, I should be um, I should be at a music festival, and then on uh, and then on Monday. What's Monday? The first of June. I, I should be flying to Seville. Ah, right. Um, what, what, which music festival was that? It's a um, a music festival called Red Rooster. Oh, which yeah, down is in a, Suffolk. A, a boutique. Uh, excuse me. There's I think the Hell's Angels have just arrived outside. Um, there's yeah, it's a boutique. Um, it's sort of Americana. Uh, um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a, a really nice festival which has been postponed till September. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of fingers crossed that it'll be they'll be able to do it in september but clearly they can't do it now everyone goes down in like their cadillacs and stuff don't they there's a lot of um there is a, a high preponderance of um men clad only in dungarees which yeah. is um, <laughs> which is the you know it, there's a sort of a, a, an element of the um the the Beverly Hillbillies look. Yeah. Is, is, is I remember. Right. Um, I remember one time because I used to I used to live in Suffolk and I remember the the sort of main ro- near where I lived was sort of the main road up from from London, I guess, into into the sort of the Suffolk countryside. And I remember going to the petrol station one, I don't know, Friday or Saturday morning, and it, it did feel like um, a sort of set of a uh, like you say the Beverly Hillbillies or something. Yeah. Yes, um, and it's in a very beautiful, um, a very beautiful estate, the Euston um, Euston Hall Estate in Suffolk, which is um, which is operated by a, a duke um, who is called uh, Harry. Is it the Duke it's of very, Hazard? He's, he's not the Duke of Hazard, <laughs> but he is. He is called Hazard. He is called Harry. It's very nice. He's, he's a very nice duke. I've not met many dukes, um, but he's he's one out. of the nicest. I know, um, I know uh, you, you metropolitan. And, uh, he um, he was a uh, he was a, 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 he was briefly the merchandise manager for the Rolling Stones. I think for a couple of years, and sort of went round the world with the Rolling Stones, um, which um, which sort of paints a picture of him as being one of these sort of um, dilettante aristos. But nothing could be further from the truth. Um, I, I was, um, but I, he, he is very passionate about music, as you would. Uh, as you will gather. Many years ago, ago, I knew a young lady who um, started dating the merchandising manager of the Rolling Stones. Um, Oh, yeah. The way it turned out, he he was selling T-shirts at their Wembley gig. Um, But nonetheless, you know, uh, good for him. Good for him. Yes, indeed. I I mean, he said that 
Um, it's a bit like me saying he, I'm a media he, mogul. Yeah, he told me, I mean, he told me that one of his gigs was, um, one of his jobs was, um, obviously there is an enormous backstage, luxurious backstage area at every Rolling Stones gig. Um, obviously it's better than our houses. And one of his things was that, you know, with a couple of hours to go, he had to, that's when the sort of the guests would, would come in and, and um, obviously they come in before and after the gig. And um, his job was to sort of take a load of merchandise down, T-shirts down, so Mick and Keith and and, uh, and all of the, the others could sort of hand them out to people, who guests who came and, and uh, well-wishers and all this kind of stuff. And uh, he said that he, it, that he, he quickly realised that for about 45 minutes before the start of every gig, there was a, a special area where they would all sit down and play acoustic guitars and just to get in the mood. And, you know, Charlie Watts would be sort of, you know, just drumming on a, play, a, a box or a, a drums, on, drums on and cushions. Like this. He's been doing um, that recently, hasn't he, playing drums on cushions? He has, yeah, yeah, He's yeah. He's very so talented he at getting drum noises that, like, out of his cushions. You know, for um, for for sort of, you know, you would you would know what the two and a half hour set was going to be like because it was pretty much the same all the time and and very good. But for forty five minutes every night, he got to sort of sit at the back of this tent um, and uh, and listen to the Rolling Stones playing these rare uh, blues things, which just sounded absolutely superb to me. Um, yeah, about as good, good as being a Duke. Yeah, um, many moons ago, many moons ago, I um, uh, Elton John played a gig in Huddersfield, which is my hometown. I don't know if I've mentioned right, that before. Okay. And we managed to get hold of the uh, rider, which included hundreds of uh, soft toys from the Disney store. Um, really? Yeah. So we thought this is funny and sort of took the mick a little bit on Elton demanding soft toys from the Disney store, and then were left red faced when. He donated them all to the children's hospital. <laughs> Brilliant! I, l- I love how you're talking tabloid. We were we were <laughs> left, left red faced. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a tabloid. It was something of a tabloid hit that story. So that, that, is, was, yeah. br- that is brilliant. I'm sure. Was it, were <laughs> we, you blasted by Elton's PR people? We, we did a reverse ferry. I'll put it that way <laughs> fairly quickly. We've not even. I mean, we've been going for. We've been rambling already for. for well, there's, several no, minutes. there's not. Much, there's not really much happened this week, has there? News wise. Well, so. so um, I mean, what is what a week it has been. Um, we seem to say this every week. Um, who would have thought that that um, a, a comfortable Tory majority of eighty and you know a Brexit half done would provide us with so much material? It really is. It really is remarkable, isn't it? Um, it's been I an mean, extraordinary, extraordinary, extraordinary week. I mean, of all yeah. of all the things um, that has uh, have happened, I, I you know, I, we, I think we always knew, didn't we, that Dominic Cummings um, would end up. He's already been the story before, but I mean, yeah. the, the old the old rule of being a special advisor, and a special advisor should not be seen and should not be heard. And secondly, if the special advisor does become the story. The special advisor needs to go. I think that that somewhat died in the probably in the nineties. I would suggest with Mr. Campbell, but um, but so we. I think we always expected that uh, Dominic Cummings would be a story at some stage. I'm just not quite sure that we expected that it would be this story. Perhaps you know. I mean, it is absolutely. Uh, it's been absolutely amazing. And um, I was going to say before we start talking about. 
Dominic Cummings, who you're right, is a sort of unexploded bomb, isn't he? At the at the heart of <laughs> at the heart of government. It's I funny. Mean, it's funny because I, I I've been doing a bit of thinking about uh, special advisors in the in the past few days, and it's strange how things have changed. And I was trying to think back to sort of um, special advisors, sort of through the ages, and I don't think that um, r- really. I think the I think I I think that the sort of modern special advisor was and I might be wrong and I'm sure someone on Twitter will tell me if I'm but I think sort of Bernard Ingham was sort of the first wasn't he a, yeah a, a, a spin doctor so to speak you know he was the first one whose whose names we whose name we knew I mean there was well there was which, the I two mean, guys Joe Haynes yeah was Joe Haynes was sort of Harold Wilson's press secretary wasn't he and but I think he didn't get I don't think he got sort of stick whereas there were two advisors and I've written their names down because I can't remember them I had to go and look them up before and it's a, a chap called Tommy Below I think or Beloff I'm not entirely sure I think they were Polish or something like that and uh, a guy called uh, Nicholas Caldor they were economic right. advisors to Wilson and I remember reading in a book somewhere that they used to get quite a lot of stick from the media and from the opposition because they were um, there was a I can't remember the name of it now but it was quite a controversial tax change which basically taxed people in the service industry higher than people in the manufacturing industry. Oh, um, okay. They were they were um, they were um, they were basically they were economic advisors. You know, they were economists rather than former yeah. journalists or political advisors. But they got a bit of stick, and I, but I can't think of really any others. Prior to that, and they and it was all, the stick was always very much on policy, and are oh, these sort of sinister lefty economists rather than right. any, anything they'd done outside of their political work. I think Ingham was probably the first of the of the modern era, and I was trying to think back, and I haven't looked, and I'll, and you you might be able to help me out, but I can't really think of any massive scandals around um, around Bernard Ingham. Uh, apart, I think he, I think he was. I think after I think after he left office, there was a couple of scandals, didn't he? I think a letter came to light that he'd written to one of the Hillsborough families or something, and, yeah. and there was, That's right. um, and then he was. I think he was fined for an incident with his neighbour in Putney, but there was nothing. I don't think massive. There's a few bits and bobs, but nothing like we've seen subsequently. And you can you can literally. I mean, we could, I think we could pretty much talk about. I think a lot of special advisors have become the story we mentioned. Um, friend of this podcast, of course, Alistair Campbell. Uh, definitely became the story on a couple of occasions. Then we had, um, more recently, we had um, Nick and Fiona, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was mainly policy stuff, wasn't it? So then, it was, of course, yeah. we had Damien McBride, um, yeah. if you remember, who's still, I think, I think he works for, he was working for Thornbury last time I met him. Um, then we had Coulson, obviously. Um, yeah, we did have Coulson. I mean, we had there was, um, uh, and in fact, I've totally forgotten his surname. But oh, Charlie Whelan, who was oh yes, of um, course, yeah, 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 who was sort of you know, I mean, he was in the in the Brown camp, wasn't he? I don't think he, I don't, you know, he, he didn't really transition into power with Gordon Brown, did he? Um, but uh, no, um, but so. was was sort of heavily involved there. But I mean, yeah, even, we know these people more and more, don't we? I think there's a there's a couple that have sort of gone. I mean, Seamus, you know, Seamus Mill, yes, certainly was a story on numerous occasions. Um, Tom Baldwin was never really a story, was he? When he was uh, Miliband's advisor, but then they weren't in power, no. I suppose. He did once 
or wrestle me to the floor or almost wrestle me to the floor, but it's probably deserved. Um, so, yeah, I, I, the, it is becoming, and even, I mean, you know, my pal Lee Kane has been the story a few times as well, not to the level, obviously, we've seen from the others, but it is a job now whereby you are scrutinised almost as much as the MPs, I think. And, yeah, I mean, I do you, before so. we get into the ins and outs of Dominic, do you think that's fair? Do you think that these high-ranking, clearly very powerful, even if it is just whispers from... From off, you know, from uh, offset sort of thing. Do you think they should be held in the say in the uh, 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 held in such high standards in the same way as how they conduct their private lives and uh, as MPs are, or do you think that's unfair? Well, I think it depends on what the on what the role is, because I think some some people are clearly spokespeople. I mean, look, look. I don't know, you know, Lee Kane is, is a friend of yours, isn't he? I don't know Lee Kane from Adam. Is Lee Kane partly running the country, in, you know, in the way that, you know, people like Alistair Campbell, yeah. um, Bernard Ingham, certainly, yeah. you know, the, the, these, these and, and Dominic Cummings. Um, I see, I think well, that... I mean, you, I... You, you can make a clear, you can make a, a, a case for saying that, you know, I mean, Dominic Cummings is, is almost a shadow prime minister, isn't he? Yes, as, he, as he, a, he, and is, I think... he is setting the agenda rather than, yeah. um, rather than running it. And um, I think that and, was and, the and... case for, for Alistair as well, for a period, certainly. But yeah, I, think I don't, he worked, I don't hand, think... He worked hand in glove with Tony Blair. I don't think there was anyone closer to Tony no, Blair. No, definitely not. And I don't have an issue with, I don't have an issue with that. I know somebody's own unelected power and all that kind of thing. I, I think if someone's good at their job, I really don't have a problem with it. I think no. Lee, Lee's role isn't quite the same as, Al, you know, Alistair was um, Tony Blair's most trusted advisor and the head of press. And... Um, you know, someone told me to put my Do Not Disturb on, and I have, and it's still bleeping. Anyway, I'm sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. Someone trying to ring me. Um, it, it, Al- Alistair was the the press man, you know, and I, I know news editors who still shudder when the phone rang and it was Alistair's number. And uh, Andy was also his most trusted advisor, whereas that has been almost split in two with Dominic and Lee, I think. So, you know, Lee's role is very different. It's, I think, you know, yeah. not, not to say that he's still not got a scandal looming on the horizon, but um, he, um, he his role is, is not what Alistair's was. Um, I don't think he's in... I think he's in the Prime Minister's ear with regards to the media and who he should talk to, who he shouldn't, all that kinds of thing. But I also think that if we're looking at... Um, the hierarchy here, Lee's definitely below Dominic Cummings. You know, Dom- if Dominic Cummings says we ain't going on Good Morning Britain, it doesn't matter what Lee says. This is—I don't know this for definite by any means—but that would be my view of how yeah. things go in Number Ten. Um, so, so, so different in in that respect. But I mean, my view of answering my own question there about whether they should be held to account in the same way is that they, they should. Um, you know, if if Dominic Cummings is and we're led to believe, of course, that he was very much behind a lot of the policy that's been made with regards to lockdown. If he's if he is as influential as I certainly believe he is, and most people seem to accept he is um, in inside Boris Johnson's number ten, then he should be held as accountable as other people. Um, you know, I I I I write a newspaper column for a regional newspaper, okay, and in that newspaper column. Sometimes, uh, you know, recently, while lockdown's been going on, I've said things like, 
you know, let's all make sure we're sticking to lockdown and doing our bit, the sort of thing you might imagine, nothing controversial, the sort mm. of thing you might imagine to read in any newspaper on any given day in the last eight weeks. But while doing that, and it has my face on it, and believe it or not, listeners in the European, in and, in and around this part of the world, people sort of, for you know, for better or worse, sometimes know who I am. Um, I am a massive celebrity in the east of England, is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, so you huge, huge. So you know, so I, I, I haven't. I actually haven't. I've been very strict with the rules, and I'm a big fan of breaking rules if they deserve to be broken. But I haven't broken any rules on this one. I'm, I'm, I'm that's not me. You know, trying to be look at me, aren't I great? I just, I haven't. But also, I think in the back of my mind, I, if I'm going to tell people one thing, if I'm going to suggest that we should be all acting in a certain way, then I don't. I can't really then be down the park with a group of ten people playing football and drinking beers, or indeed dashing up to Durham. And so that's just a tiny, a tiny, tiny little concern for me, because obviously the truth is that not a great deal of people in East of England know me. But nonetheless, my face is next to something that I've said. I've got to stand by it. So if Dominic comes and he's telling the whole country that, and then doing something completely different, then he absolutely is bang to rights, frankly, in my opinion. Uh, yes, I, I, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I... I mean, I don't think in all of this, people have gone over this again and again, and you know there is, there are there are emotional reactions to what Dominic Cummings has done. There are reactions uh, to what Dominic Cummings has done. I mean, I was, I was just reading. I was just reading the, uh, the crime commissioner saying um, the uh, West Midlands crime commissioner saying that that members of the public were you know, when stopped and uh, told to stop what they were doing by the police. So they've been saying, well, Dominic Cummings can do what he wants, so why can't I do it? Um, There are all these reactions. I mean, we we can pick pick apart what's happened. Well, why why don't we briefly do that? Let's do that. Because I know that a lot of... I didn't mention, actually, because there's obviously that... Um, if you if you do come here for your news, then you've no idea what we're talking oh, yeah. about. <laughs> no, no, of course not. No. If you do come here for your news, um, please do tune in to the daily news briefings, um, and there will be a yeah. tier of the week later. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I've got. I, I want to just just start it off by saying I, I just I just don't believe what Dominic Cummings has has said, <laughs> and and you know until we see the evidence and. Um, and of course, we, you know, we, we, we had the amazing spectacle yesterday, or, or sorry, Wednesday, we're recording this on Thursday, and you're listening to it probably on Friday. We had the amazing spectacle on Wednesday of, of Boris Johnson saying, you know, telling a member of, of the, um, the, the, the committee that he'd seen all the evidence that, to support what Dominic Cummings was saying, but he wasn't going to show it to anybody, and he wasn't going to show it to the cabinet secretary. Um, and I, and, you know, there are elements of Dominic Cummings' story. The, the you know, the, the trip to to, to uh, Barnard Castle, yeah. um, particularly, which I'm afraid I just don't believe. And, and well, I think that if and, there was I think, some, I thought. So, I mean, watching Dominic Cummings address the press, I thought that that was as human as I'd ever seen him. As he, and I've been in the same room as him, and he appeared far more human then, uh, to begin with, than he did. Than I've ever seen him before, and just for a second, I thought, "Do you know what? He might just, he might just pull this off." Because I think most parents of 
have um, gamed the situation of we both get ill or whatever or you know what would we do with the kids that is something that's been playing very heavily on a lot of people's minds and will continue to do so um, but I think once he started talking about days out and his eyesight and all that kind of nonsense the whole thing just crumbled away and it was already very crumbly anyway but yeah um, I mean I, it's difficult to say what would what would we have done in a different situation. Um, firstly, me and you, and I presume most of the listeners, uh, you know, aren't very senior government advisors. Um, that does play a part. I am. That, that you I've just not secretly. told you. Yeah. I'm doing it off the books. <laughs> that does. That does surprise me um that do, that does um that but that that Explains is important that is important in this dominic cummings is not average joe and that is important the rules have to be even more stringent for him if he's making them i'm sorry but that is just the case well that's absolutely right and this is why the what aboutery of well what about this picture of alistair campbell who's just been swimming in i think he'd been swimming in in um pool in presumably in Hampstead Heath near where he lives yeah and somebody came up to him and took a picture you know Alistair Campbell is is no longer part of the team that are running the country Stephen Kinnock who did a a daft thing and then apologized for it by going around to to see his mum and dad right at the start of lockdown when you weren't allowed to go around and and um and, and see people even though he was sat a considerable distance away is not running the country. Dominic Cummings is running the country. This is why this is important. Sorry, I cut you off in your prime there, but that, that what about her has particularly annoyed me this week. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, um, you know, I, I, it, it, standards are different for, for different people, whether we like it or not. But the fact of the matter is that Dominic Cummings broke the rules. I mean, there's the, the this nonsense which seems to have they've moved away from well he didn't in strictly speaking he didn't break the get out yes he did <clears throat> he definitely broke the rules um it, i mean it, 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 i guess it's easy if i'm going to play devil's advocate it's easy for and i've said this myself and i've heard other people say you know why couldn't his sister drive down you know i'm sure dominic cummings is well healed enough that he could hire a car or pay for a petrol spring. that's fine it's difficult for us to know how feasible that was because we're not members of the cummings family oh well i'm not i'm entirely sure about you, you might be a long-lost cousin or something um but uh, so that's that's a difficult one but also, we hear stories, and we've seen plenty in the media this week, about parents who had coronavirus and just had to somehow look after their kids. Mm, um, yeah. You know, who haven't got the option. Um, I, I, I just... It, it, it's a difficult one for the public to swallow because it absolutely screams of the metropolitan elite, and that'll sting Dominic, won't it? The metropolitan elite have uh, lived by different rules to the rest of the country. And Domi- doing, doing what they want, yeah. yeah and Dominic exactly. Dominic Cummings is is railed against the the elite, and uh, you know do do as do as I say, not as I do. And then he's gone and done exactly the same thing. Um, and he and he, re- he really has. And what he's what is more important, really, um, is and the reason. I mean, this is what should have happened. Boris Johnson should have sacked him <clears throat> as soon as yeah, Boris Johnson he should have done. As soon as Boris Johnson didn't sack him, he then couldn't sack him. Because if he yeah. now sacks him, quite rightly, the likes of me and you go, well, he's all over the place. Why is it taking him six days? You know, quite rightly. Although I would say, well, fair enough, he's listened. And I don't mind a U-turn if it's listening to the country. I really don't. But those questions would be asked. So, 
you know, his, his press advisors will be in his ear going, you can't win on this one. And I, and he can't now. He could have, but he can't now. It's It's gone on too long. So then I imagine there would have been those high up, maybe even Boris himself, hoping that Dominic Cummings fell on his sword. Dominic Cummings, I think it's highly unlikely, will ever fall on his sword. Um, but what by... We're what are we on? We're on we're on Friday now, and I think we can guess that this is still going to be on the front pages tomorrow. Um, yeah, this is a week. Not on the Daily Express's front page, though, Perhaps as we not. will discover. <laughs> this is a week now where Dominic Cummings has been top of the pops, whereas it should have been something else. It should have been track and trace. It should have been any number of other things, um, and it's been Dominic Cummings. And that, and and if you want, you can blame the media, but you'd be wrong. There's only one or maybe two people you can blame about this. That's the Prime Minister and his Chief Advisor, because he did wrong, and he has put this whole public health crisis at risk. And it was already floundering, wasn't it? Let's face it, the response to it. And, um, and he... Uh, and that is on his shoulders, and it always will be, and it will never go away. It will never go away, uh, whatever the government thinks. It might die down. It, it's already dampened to some extent, but it is sticking around because the man who's in Boris Johnson's ear didn't do what Boris Johnson was telling the other seventy million people in this country to do, and by and large, those seventy million people, um, you know, sacrificed so much for weeks and weeks on end while Dominic Cummings was taking day trips to Barnard Castle. Exactly. Now, I mean, before we pick this apart, and, uh, and I think, you know, everyone knows what's happened. We can talk about some of our favourite bits, can't we? But does it, I mean, I'm assuming, uh, and look, we, we recorded a podcast last week, and we said we can't believe the government haven't waived the, um, the, the, the surcharge. Um, on non-EU migrants um, yeah. for NHS workers and care workers, and um, and between us recording it and they're coming out, they they did waive the surcharge. Yeah, the, um, the, oh, so, I mean, so what it, the listener probably doesn't know is that we send a preview of the podcast out we of course do. to all um, other media outlets so that they can preview what's on the pod, and you'll often see full pages in in the Times and the Mail saying what a great pod it is and how. Um, it's Absolutely. got a world exclusive the next it's day. It's a podcast the elite listens to. That's I right, think. and um, and obviously number ten uh, had, had seen some embargo of the podcast and thought that is it. You know, if the new European have turned, then we've got to we've got to get on board. So I definitely think that was at a win for the new European. That. We are so we're hostages to fortune for a little bit because <laughs> there is a little delay in between, and we and we can't, you know we can't go back and, and re-record these for various reasons. Um, so uh, only in the most extreme of circumstances. So I suppose there is a, an outside chance that in the hours before we press that, between us pressing send and, uh, hey, and you if, listening if to this, Dominic get, Cummings has been sacked. If we but get Dominic Cummings' scalp, that would be immense. Just, Im- just imagining he hasn't been sacked. I, mean, I, I can't help thinking that this is a... That having him weakened... And being dragged around, and the, the, the government being weakened uh, considerably, and we've seen that in the opinion polls. You know, people's faith in the gov- how the government have handled this has, has ebbed away and ebbed away and ebbed away now. And uh, and though people are still quite rightly angry with Labour about anti-Semitism and, and, and stuff like that, you know, the, the huge opinion poll leads for the Conservatives have diminished. I think they're, they're still in the lead. They're still down to, but it's down. From twenty odd percent to six percent, isn't it? And the government's handling of all of this 
is uh, is viewed very negatively now. Their 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 handling of it has, has gone from you know plus forty to so now it's underwater. So is it is it a bad thing for Labour if Dominic Cummings hangs around? Do people say, well, you failed to take his, his scalp there and no, the government I don't think so. I don't think that I, that I don't is think how so the, either. I, I don't think that's how the public w- will look at this. I think that um, if I was Keir Starmer, I'd be quite happy for Dominic Cummings to hang around because it's another, uh, it's another, you know, target that he can attack um, when when he needs, you know, when he needs to. Every single time, it'll be uh, it will be a deflection upon uh, from from any any good things the government do. Dominic Cummings will come up. He's uh, you know he's he's a target now, um, and as long as the t- target remains, you can carry on firing arrows. And 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 you know the Tories have been hugely hurt by this. I mean, I, I, at the start of all this, and I got some uh, got some stick about it. I was I was pretty positive. You know, I give Boris a seven out of ten. If you remember, maybe two weeks into the lockdown. Um, yeah, and I think I think you gave him a ten, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> no, uh, I gave him a much lower score than you. You did, but I, but you know, but my my view at that point was um, very much based on on the financial rescue package, uh, and, and it's not perfect, but it's still huge and it's still ambitious. Um, and, yeah. and I start, I start my support for that remains by and large. Um, but what has happened since, of course, is you know that was long before targets were missed on. Testing. Um, uh, uh, there were all, there were some rumblings about well, more than rumblings that PPE was an issue there. But the, the hope was that we would get on top of that quicker than perhaps we did. I think we probably are there or thereabouts now. Um, uh, you know, and 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 it was before, of course, the disastrous uh, messaging that uh, that sort of punctuated the 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 move from phase one to phase two, or God only knows what they call it these days. It's so confusing. Um, and it is now. It is now clearly a, a, a complete shed. I mean, this is a this is a tire fire of a response mm. by the government. I, you know, I'm willing to to say that. Aside from number eleven, I, I don't think anyone has had um, a, a good a good war at all. You know, Bor- Boris Johnson went from being one of the most loved prime ministers in in recent times as he lay ill in his bed of course and I can understand the, the sympathy and the sympathy we share um, for anyone who gets ill including Boris Johnson um, to to being like you say for his ratings to be you know falling through the floor and that is that is quite an achievement <laughs> frankly well it is quite it is quite an achievement I mean somebody else has somebody else has done this and we can talk about that again in a second. Or in fact, should we talk about it now before we talk about Boris Johnson? Before we talk about Dominic coming um, individually. Look, I've written a thing in the New European, which I actually was going to write the week before in the New European, and I ended up writing about Nigel Farage and his his, his um, boats instead. Um, I was going to write a couple of weeks ago in the New European uh, print edition that. Boris Johnson is turning into John Major, um, and I've, I've now written that, um, and it's in this week's fine edition of the New European. Three pounds in all good uh, shops. If you go to the NewEuropean.co.uk, you can subscribe and get the first thirteen issues for thirteen quid. Um, you know, look, he won the he won an election. Um, Twenty three weeks after that, 
uh, John Major won the election in in nineteen ninety two. Mm. Um, was was Black Wednesday, yeah, and that completely eroded, you know, the the, the confidence, the, the faith that people had put in John Major, just disappeared that day. And um, I mean, uh, there there are a lot, of, there are an awful lot of parallels uh, with this. Well, that um, was when that was when the sun really started, and the news of the world really started going after the Tories, wasn't it? And it was just week after week after week, yeah. And although the Daily Mail, you know, have been very angry about this, and, and the, even the, you know, even the Telegraph has shown some signs of dissent. I don't think that has, that has fully happened yet. But you know, they he won an, you know, they both won an election on the fear of Labour and the promise of putting the country back together again. Even though you know the Conservatives arguably tore it apart on on both occasions with Mrs Thatcher and with Brexit. They, they've mishandled, you know, both of them have mishandled a, a massive international event. Both of them have shown misplaced loyalty in a senior colleague. You know, it took Major another eight months to get rid of Norman Lamont. Um, and, um, and you know, the Daily Mail is, is, is still not fully on side. Um, and, of course, the sun, as you say, sort of slipped away. And John Major must have thought right up, you know, he must have thought, well, the sun will come back. You know, the sun will come back on side at some point. And, of course, the sun never did come back on side. And two months before the 1997 election, they, they endorsed Tony Blair. And then you've got the fact that John Major suddenly weakened. He won the election. There was great optimism. He was going to change things. It was going to be back to compassionate conservatism, like Boris Johnson has said. And suddenly he's blown off course by Black Wednesday and he was facing a really forensic Labour leader who, yeah. who really knew how to slip the knife in. And yeah. I think Boris Johnson is extremely lucky. There was, I mean, he had a terrible time in the committee. He was awful and he, he still doesn't look very well to me. No. But but it's not, I, I think he's, you know, he cannot be looking forward to facing Keir Starmer um, next week. So... You know, is do you, do you think these? Uh, am, am I putting two and two together and, and making five here, or are no, I think the, I think the comp- I think the comparison is a is a fair one. What I would say is that um, you know, wouldn't it be great if we had John Major as Prime Minister right now rather than Boris Johnson? Yeah. Um, I think that's that's the that is the main difference here. I think I think history is starting to look a bit kinder at John Major than. Than you know, he had a, he had a very rough time, and he cle- he clearly wasn't the wasn't the right man for the job. But I do think that he is a a politician that will be remembered probably better than he, than he has been in in recent years in years to come. Um, well, it's only for Ireland, you know. I mean, well, it's yeah, only absolutely. For- I mean, that was a little bit unfair that he did he he didn't quite get the the plaudits he deserved it because you know it was it was yeah. right man right time. Tony Blair was there, and quite rightly, Tony Blair and his team deserve a massive. Um, uh, massive kudos and praise for what happened with Northern Ireland. They got it. They definitely got it over the line. But the the ball was started rolling by John Major, um, and I actually think John Major is a decent chap as well. You know, I think he's. I I, I, I don't think he was a strong enough leader, um, and I don't think he could get his. I mean, you got to remember. I think how many how many what majority do you have? About twenty twenty one something like that. I think he had twenty one. Yeah. So so a, di- a different a very different party. Um, and obviously, he had you know he had his own problems with with the Euro rebels, um, the bastards. Um, so there there are there are definitely similarities with how the polls work. I do, I wouldn't like to compare John Major and Boris Johnson, the man. Mm-hmm. I think that would be unfair on 
on John Major. Um, um, yeah, it was very much so. Yeah, you know, and I was, I was I a mean, big fan of bringing John Major into you know during all this when they were talking about is there a is there an opportunity to get some serious heads who've been there or thereabouts yeah. down the years. I, John Major would have been definitely would have been on that list. Um, and I yeah. think you know, I, I think it's highly unlikely the Tories were ever going to invite Tony Blair or Gordon Brown or, or Keir Starmer even to be involved. But I, you know, I, I think they would they would have because of the way party politics works. But I, but they would have got praise from me if they'd got you know as much as you might not like these people, Cameron, um, Theresa May, John Major, mm. um, even people like Heseltine and and uh, and. Um, Oh, his name has escaped me now. The chap with a bit of the night about him, um, Michael Howard. Michael Howard. I mean, why, why? And maybe Frankie Howard. Why not? Do you know? Bring that. Bring a. Bring that. Because it's not just about whether we like them or not. Um, that that is that is by the by. These are people who had to make tough decisions at the very top of politics. Yeah. Whether it was a, a decision about their party or whether it was a decision about the country. So surely getting loads of heads together to have a discussion about it, I'm not saying that they would be in cabinet or anything like that, makes perfect sense. When you know, when I've got an issue that I'm wrestling with, I obviously ring you, Steve. Um, and, exactly. Yeah, and so I'm sorry sometimes it's two or three in the morning and drinks been taken, but the thing is that two heads are better than one, and in, in the case when you've got the biggest crisis, I mean, we used to call Brexit the biggest crisis this country had faced since the war, and it was, but I think now... We can probably say that this is definitely the biggest crisis since the war, and we, you know, we, I, I should we have a national government? Well, I think that argument's probably gone now. But, but a, a subsequent um, group of people who met once a week, you know, would I think would have I think the public would have welcomed that people who've been there or thereabouts, and really their record in government shouldn't hugely matter because mm. they've had the time to look back on it and they're not right in the middle of, they're not in the eye of this storm, they're right in the, you know, they've been there and they can look back at stuff they did previously. It just makes perfect sense. But, you know. It does. Politics. It does. There you go. I mean, it, you, you look at that 80 majority and you look at the fact that the people who disagree with Boris Johnson about Europe have been purged from the party and, they're, you know, they're not in Westminster anymore. Um and you and you think well, that's another thing that's, that's he's got an advantage. And obviously, you know, he's, we've not yet got the sort of interest rates and the inflation and, and figures that that John Major sort of inherited, um, or even had in nineteen ninety two. But he's made his own bastards, hasn't he? There are lots of people in the Conservative. You know, this sort of list of growing list, and it's. You know, anywhere between, depending on how you count people. I think at the moment there's about 45 of them calling for Dominic Cummings, 45 sitting Tory MPs calling for Dominic Cummings to, to, to go, and 15 to 20 others saying he's made a terrible mistake and should have apologised, and there should be more. Yeah. And um, and then you think, you know, there are people like Jeremy Hunt and Sajid Javid who a combination of Boris Johnson and Dominic Cummings have forced out. You know, these, these those two are, whatever you think of them, they are heavy hitters in the Conservative Party. They are. And, they there, are. and there are people who never liked Dominic Cummings. There are people who've people. lost faith <laughs> in Boris Johnson from the way he's handled this. And then there are people like Philip Hammond, who has, has now got nothing to, to lose, who's outside the chamber, um, 
but who's who's a name and and presumably will pop up saying all of this has been terribly handled. Um, so I think it's um, so I think it's uh, it's 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 really it's it's really bad this for for Boris Johnson. And I do think that if you know even. Mrs. Thatcher had, when she was was toppled, she had a majority of, I think it was about 102. Mm. And yet, you know, two or three by-election defeats and things starting to look bad in the polls. And even with a majority of 102, she had to go. This um, is the thing about the Conservative Party and the the reason, it's very simple. People often say, you know, why, why are the... Conservative Party, the sort of default party of power in this country, or have been for the last hundred years or so, and, and and they have. I mean, they've been in power more. If you would take Tony Blair out of the mix, it would you know it would be a one horse race completely. Um, but the reason is that they get rid of their leaders. If their leaders aren't performing, or suddenly they're an issue, they're gone. Um, they mm. br- they are brutal. Look at look at how Labour, you know, could, just simply couldn't get rid of. Um, Jeremy Corbyn. Now, it is it is difficult to topple a Labour leader. It is not difficult to topple a Tory leader. Labour have to call special conferences and all kinds of things go on. The Tories don't work like that, um, and you know they they are ruthless. So, and I and mm. they will t- they will turn against Boris if this if Boris is unelectable, they won't go into the next election with him. Um, whether Boris exactly. likes it or not. What are your thoughts? And I want to get into the sort of we've been, we've you know we've for us we've been quite um, we've been quite in depth on this, haven't we? We should get into the more fun bits about Dominic Cummings next. But the yeah the um, what are your and I've thoughts? I've got a little Dominic Cummings quiz. As oh, well fantastic! For you. All right, great. And what are your thoughts though? Just quickly because we, we need to speak about the EU as well. But what are your thoughts on, on why Boris didn't sack him? Because I think well, if because- Boris had sacked him, the country would have gone. Uh, Leader, like it, well done. Well, I, because I think that Dominic Cummings is is the driving force behind everything that they are doing, and I, I, I think Boris Johnson is not a details guy, not a vision guy. I think he can he can sell a vision, but I'm not sure he can come up with a vision. And the vision that they have been elected on is is almost entirely the work of of Dominic Cummings and I think Dominic Cummings is actually absolutely crucial and when they were together in the uh, in Downing Street for the six hours on the Saturday um, I actually you know as we know now they were pinning together this um, this um, I mean it was a very legal statement wasn't it it was the sort of like a witness statement that that had been prepared by a lawyer Um, but they were pinning they were pinning that together. But I, I, I imagined at the time that the only other possible thing would, would be that Dominic Cummings was actually writing everything down for uh, for, for Boris Johnson and his successor to, to enact over the, the the next weeks and months. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I think that he's he, he is indispensable, and without Dominic Cummings, there really is no Boris Johnson, and there is no Conservative leadership because. You know, they've, well, they've, they've, they, he's between them. They've shown their disdain for the rest of the of the, the cabinet and the, the Tory party. We already know that Dominic Cummings has got a very low view of a lot of members of the Conservative Party. They've centralised um, power with you know among six people, um, and uh, of whom you know Matt Hancock has, has, has been sort of marginalised through all of this. Although he, he keeps shipping up on TV to defend it, so. Um, 
So I just think he couldn't afford to, or he thought he couldn't afford to lose Dominic Cummings. I, I, um, I agree to an extent. I think that, I mean, you may remember when we talked about this on the pod, that Dominic Cummings was expected to, to leave to go. after the election. So I think... I think that the Dominic Cummings vision is is there already. I think there are other people who could step in and, and do it. Um, I really do. But the thing is that Dominic Cummings isn't actually a conservative. He's, he's not on anything. He's uh, you know he's got he's got view he's held views that are probably more aligned to a certain wing of the Conservative Party for a long time. But he's not actually a he's not a died in a wool Tory, and he will happily, as we've seen before, when Theresa May was Prime Minister, of course, he will happily sit and chuck rocks at whoever. And I honestly don't think that Dominic Cummings has got any real loyalty to Boris Johnson. I think Boris Johnson has got a loyalty to him because he puts down the Brexit victory and the election last year to, to Dominic Cummings. But I think there is a fear that if... Um, and this whole team around Boris, of course, really a, a Dominic's team rather than Boris's team. You could yeah. you could say they've all come through yeah. uh, the, the Brexit um, uh, referendum, etc. Um, and I I think that Boris is concerned that previously, when Dominic Cummings was chucking rocks from the sideline, people like me and you and our listeners, of course, were aware of him, but the general public probably weren't so much. And, you know, when he drops 45,000-word blogs, who's going to actually read them? Mm. However, mm. if he was out of government, he, would, he wouldn't be able to resist it. He would be straight, yeah. he'd be straight on that laptop, he'd be firing stuff out, and, it, and I yeah. tell you now, the thing is, not only does he know where the bodies are buried, he helped bury most of them. So, <laughs> so he, he, and he, and he will happily tell anyone. Um, you know, we saw it with Cameron, we saw it with May. Dominic Cummings is not loyal to the Conservative no. Party. He would not go quietly, and I think no. that has definitely got to have been on Boris Johnson's it's on mind. His, uh, definitely I, on his mind, and he is a scary figure, isn't he? Oh, he, I mean, when I mean, he was reading that <laughs> that thing out, his, his, his sort of monologue, it reminded me about of, of when Rorschach is reading out his, you know, the <laughs> Rorschach's diary at the start of Watchmen. With the, 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 you know, dog <laughs> carcass very, in the alley, tire tread on the burst stomach. <laughs> then we went to the riverbank. We had no interactions with everybody. Um, this city what is afraid your, of me. What was the, what was the, because I, I'd had, so I, um, I had a very nice, very quiet, obviously, weekend in the sun last weekend. And, yeah. um, and I filed some copy after Boris spoke on the Sunday. And then on the Monday, I was, Relax. I actually watched an, NFL, an old NFL game, and I thought, "Well, I'm wow. going to have a glass of gin." I had a couple of glasses of gin, and then suddenly Dominic Cummings is going to speak at four o'clock, and I was I'm, I'm drunk by any means, but squiffier than normal. And I had to file this bit, and I, and I was just, I, I was, a li- you know, a little bit tipsy and completely agog at what was what was. I in think agog was the word. You know, <laughs> I mean, it, it started off. I mean, the whole the whole account is. I mean, there are so many holes in it, aren't there? He, he, the stuff about him feeling like a, a prisoner in his own home, so he had to drive to, to Durham. That is nonsense, it, it, and it's clearly ju- nonsense because no one saw There him. are no pictures of him <laughs> leaving his his home, packing his wife and 
a child and presumably loads of their belongings into his Land Rover. Well, and a then friend, and then going a friend of this pod and a friend of both me and you who uh, we won't mention, we won't name um, because that might give away where he or she lives. Um, actually, contacted me and said, "Does Dominic Cummings live on my street?" Um, and that was before the whole media thing. Now, oh, really? Okay. I reckon he or she probably would have known if Dominic Cummings lived on her street if the pack had been as big before as it has Absolutely. been this week. Now, by the way, I would like to say I, I can't condone the non-social distancing that happened by some of the um, some of the snappers no, there. Um, that was just you know it's just an open goal that um, the media missed on that occasion, but um, or an own goal even, but. Um, but th- I can assure you that there has not been packs of media outside Dominic Cummings' house for the last three months. It's just not true. And then this idea of, you know, I mean, it was it was weird anyway, the number of times that he referred to uh, how seriously he's been taking coronavirus and, and you know, he's written about it in his blog. And, and then we find out that he's actually um, quietly amended old blogs um, well, he was in Durham, in fact, to, to to add in coronavirus. But when he said, I've been taking this really seriously, um, and it, I knew coronavirus was massive, was a, a, a massive issue right from the start, and, and I was banging the drum for this, but then why has it been handled so appallingly badly by the government that, that he is in charge of? And then we get to the, the you know, the, 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 the whole... Uh, Barnard Castle stuff, you know, if his wife can drive, you know, let alone the fact that he drove to a beauty spot on his wife's birthday, which was also Easter Sunday, with his child. Um, if you know, what, why on earth did he did he, he need to test his eyes in the first place? If his wife could just have driven back, because we were told that she was fine, and then why did his wife write this article in the Spectator? talking about them spending lockdown in London when they spent a lot of the lockdown in Durham. I mean, we know why that is, but I, I just think, you know, the, the, the entire thing was, was the work of somebody who knew he was going to get away with it or, you know, if he suspected he wasn't going to get away with it, didn't particularly care. Um, I, I just, I, I find it quite incredible, really. It's an extra, it's been, a, it's been completely extraordinary and, um, you know the whole eyesight thing, and then Michael Gove. I mean, what the hell was that all about? Michael Gove. I mean, that is remarkable, wasn't it? I mean, the, the, it, they have all seemed a bit weird this week. I, I think Michael Gove starting to say, "Well, I've driven as well to test my eyesight," um, and then not being able to go through with it. Rishi Sunak. Um, tweeting, "This is the great news that we've all been waiting for," and it turned out to be that. 50 more Nandos were reopening for delivery. I mean, that's, that is completely unbecoming. Matt Hancock giggling away on, on Sky News. Matt Hancock is the health secretary who's presided over the, 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 the most, most deaths per capita of any country, giggling away and saying, I don't know what you want me to do when he's tracing, testing tracing app, which we can't even talk about this week, is still not ready. Um, uh, I think they've all just lost their minds a little bit this week. Um, and um, there's just a, a sort of weird air of derangement about the, the whole thing. And it stems from this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's um, it's uh, it's just, I, I, I mean, you, could, you couldn't have predicted it. 
Um, I knew that Dominic Cummings was going to be a store, a bigger story at some stage. I didn't expect that this would be it. Um, and yes. I, I, you know, and you know, to draw a line under it, it's been hugely damaging. It's been badly handled again. Um, and however valuable he was, he should have gone. Um, he, he definitely, t- you know, it, it, there we go. Let's do this Dominic Cummings. No, let's do a little do Dominic quick, Cummings quiz. Well, let's do that, and then we just need to. We do need to talk about the EU because it has been. There has been some big. We news must talk it? about the EU. There are two sort of significant things. I'll rattle through this. So, Dominic Cummings. Question one: Dominic Cummings used to work on the door at a nightclub in Durham called Clute, uh, named after the um, Jane Fonda film, presumably Clute K L U T E. What honour did Clute nightclub win? And the, your choices are. Was it Nuts Magazine's loudest nightclub in England of 1999? <laughs> was it FHM Magazine's second worst nightclub in Europe, 1996? Or was it Zoo Magazine's sauciest club in Britain of 2002? I can't imagine uh, that anything's that saucy in Durham, I wouldn't have thought. Anyway, yeah, go, yeah, go. yeah. Do you want time to think about yeah, these, I or do, do you want yeah, to try and answer them now? Okay, question two is, why did Dominic Cummings' name fail to trend on Twitter oh, this week, yeah, despite yeah. Um, it being um, him, him being the, the, the talk of the town. Question three, Dominic Cummings is famed for whole, uh, hosting uh, early morning meetings in Downing Street. What time do Dominic Cummings' early morning meetings in Downing Street begin? Do they begin at 7.25am, 7.45am or 7.55am? Okay. And then I've got one, this one is good, Um on the day that Dominic Cummings was born, these things uh, were going on. Because I Love You by Slade was number one in the UK. Theme from Shaft by Isaac Hayes was number one in America. Top films at the box office were The French Connection and Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. So using all that, what year was Dominic Cummings born in? And then, yeah. question five, yeah. the Shrewsbury town striker Jason Cummings yeah. Uh, I think he played for Hib- Hibs, didn't he, as well? Don't and know. in Nottingham Forest, I think. Uh, Jason Cummings, he has said that Dominic Cummings should resign for tarnishing the family name. What is Jason Cummings' nickname? Okay, so what honour did Clute Nightclub win? Why did his name fail to trend? What time do his morning meetings begin? What year was he born in? And what is Jason Cummings? No relation. What's his nickname? Um... So the EU, um, there are two things, aren't there? The, on Monday, uh, when I should be out in Seville, um, and I'm not, uh, the fourth round of trade talks are starting. Um, and, well, it, it's crucial, this, isn't it? Um, and it looked like last week, I think the Daily Mail was, was saying it's all going to be fine. Michel Barnier is going to cave on the fishing rights and he's going to adopt the UK's proposal and then there'll be a bit of, you know, horse trading and we'll drop something and a, a deal will be done. Now, um, it doesn't look that, that it's like that is going to happen at all. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Anything, anything to say about that? I, I mean, I, I, I'm just... I've gone between worrying about this to laughing at Dominic Cummings, and now I'm starting to worry about this again. I certainly am concerned about this. Um, I don't know if this is still more hardball. You know, we'll we'll walk away with no deal unless you find us a deal, or whether it's just pig-headed stupidity from the Brits. I I I hope it's I hope it is just hardball negotiations. But but time is very short now. It is. 
And even a majority of leavers think we should have an extension. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but again, David Frost is saying no extension. Um, I mean, more significant, less significant for us now, but more significant for the future of the, the EU, which obviously we're hoping to rejoin at some point, is this idea that so, but there is a, a, an idea that there will be a, a 750 billion pound fund, uh, which will obviously, which will go to the um, to the countries that have suffered most from coronavirus, who tend to be the the, 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 the poorer ones. Um, and um, 750 billion euros. This is it will be. Uh, it's proposed that it, it will be 500 billion pounds worth of grants. Only two hundred and fifty billion pounds worth of loans. Um, all countries will have to put into this, um, but obviously it will be the poorer countries. Uh, be, I mean, it'd be places like Portugal and Greece, I would imagine, um, who have suffered the most, um, who are going to take the most out of this. I mean, this is Germany and France in favour of this. Obviously, the awkward squad: Austria, Denmark, Sweden, the Netherlands, the frugal four are dead against it. Is, is this really? You know, if they can't get this over the line, then is this really worrying for the EU? Uh, well, I think a lot of questions have, have been rightly asked about the future of the EU right now. I think the EU will be fine in the end because I think most countries, unlike us, believe it is better to be a part of this club than out of it. But, you know, it's not, I, I mean, I, I, these are tough times for everyone anyway, aren't they? And, and I think that what we've seen is a little bit of, um, there is there has been a feeling of, and I mean this metaphorically, of course, draw the borders and look after ourselves a little bit. And I think that is perfectly understandable in a time of crisis like this. Um, so I think in the end, uh, there will be some compromise from from the awkward squad, like you say. And, I, and you know, I mean, what do I know? But I do feel like the, the EU is, is, as I've always said, in need of reform, but he's, he's not on its last legs, as some people might hope. I think... I think it's worrying times, but they'll they'll they will find a way in the end because it is not it is it is far better for all of the countries that you name in the awkward squad. It's far better for them to be, um, you know, able to trade alongside the likes of France and Germany, etc., than than not. I think, and I think they understand that. Um, so, as as much as there may be some internals right now, I I don't fear long term. I don't think for the EU. Yeah, I mean, they, they, I can't imagine that they're going to get away with saying only, you know, three, three quarters, sorry, two thirds of this will not be repaid. Um, they, they, I mean, they, they, they need to, they need to agree something, I think, um, if, if only to stop um, places like Italy, which obviously would be another beneficiary um, from, uh, from anti-EU feeling growing there. Um, but yeah, I, I think I mean it's 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 testing times for the EU, um, and I'm, I'm I'll be fascinated to see what comes out of these trade talks too. Um, shall we move on to? Um, oh, should we do the quiz answers? Do you want to talk no, let's about? Do, um, let's. I think what we should do now is we'll we'll take a little break and then we'll come oh, back yeah. with Brexit here and we'll do the uh, we'll do the quiz answers in there as well. Brexiteer of the week. Welcome back, Steve. Uh, which we do the should we do the quiz answers first, and then we'll do. Um, Let's Brexiteer. do the quiz answers first because I know you're eager to hear them, uh, uh, and you're defending a, a brilliant five out of five last week. Five so, out of five, yeah, yeah. I'm going to so tell me the tell me the correct answers to these. So Dominic Cummings worked on the door at Clute nightclub in Durham. 
Kloot's uh, greatest honour was what? Um, and the options were, was it voted Nuts Magazine's loudest nightclub in England in 1999? Was it voted FHM Magazine's second worst nightclub in Europe in 1996? Or was it voted Zoo Magazine's sauciest club in Britain in 2002? Well, I am going to suggest that it um, is. It can't possibly be the noisiest. I don't think that is. Surely that's not something that people would want to. I, I want to go to the noisiest nightclub. So I think you've made that up. I think it's unlikely that Durham is going to have the sauciest nightclub. So I, I, with all due respect to Durham, and it's lovely. I think it must be the worst or the second worst. Was it? Yeah. Well, it, it, you're right. It was voted the second worst nightclub in Europe by FHM in 1996. The, the, the nightclub that was voted the worst nightclub in Europe then burned down. So <laughs> I guess for a little time, it was the, 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 the officially the worst nightclub oh, in Europe. Dominic go. Cummings has, has since said, when my relatives ran it, because it's since changed hands, it was the best nightclub in Europe, right, which I also right, don't right, believe. Right. Um, <laughs> why did Dominic Cummings' name fail to trend on Twitter then? Well, I know this because I saw all the conspiracy theories that some dark... You know, yeah. some dark internet state was stopping it. Because the truth of the matter yeah. is that Dominic Cummings has got a potentially, I suppose, if you're a twelve-year-old, quite a sort of naughty last name, hasn't he? So, um, yeah. I think that is probably why. Well, I know that that isn't that is why it wasn't trending on Twitter. That is why Dominic. That's why Dominic Cummings was not trending on Twitter because his surname contains a sort of well, it's a, 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 a sexual act, isn't it? I suppose, um, and um, misspellings of his name yeah. did trend on Twitter. Yeah. So you know, so um, with with one M and um, and without the G and stuff like that. Yeah. That all that, those did trend on Twitter, um, and it's just that Twitter's um, filter. Um, it's uh, it's porn filter um, had sort of automatically blocked his name. Stuff like Cumgate hashtag Cumgate was trending, um, and that's because you know they use things like cumbersome. If the word cumbersome, yeah. you know, if somebody suddenly said cumbersome uh, and everyone started tweeting about it, that is that is okay too. That would I, be fine. I really hope that the next scandal um, isn't. The Cumgate scandal. Yeah, uh, well, it could I know. have been worse involve, than this one. It might involve Benedict Cumberbatch, I suppose. <laughs> what time does Dominic Cummings like to start his morning meetings? Do you know this one? Well, I don't. 7.25. I, I, I don't. 7.45. But I, yeah. 7.55. I seem to remember, there was a story, wasn't there, where he said, "If you're n- and some of you won't be here at this yes. time next week. Um, so I think 7.25 seems to have lodged in my head. It's actually seven fifty-five. Nah. So instead of doing the instead of doing the um, the, the traditional eight a.m. breakfast meeting, you have to be there for seven fifty-five, uh, or you're uh, or you're not getting in. Um, what year was he born in, Dominic Cummings? Because I Love You by Slade was number one in the UK. Theme from Shaft, Isaac Hayes, number one in America. The French Connection was big. Bed Knobs and Broomsticks was big. The Last Picture Show, which is one of my favourite films. Um, I think was the second highest um, grossing film of the year in America. Um, so what year was he born in? Uh, he's, he's nine years older than me, so he was born in 1971. He I was think. born in yeah. 1971, so you're doing well. And lastly, Shrewsbury striker Jason Cummings, who said that Dominic Cummings was tarnishing the family name. What's, what's Jason Cummings' nickname? Uh, I re- I really, I'm sorry, but I've never heard of this chap. Um 
Oh, I don't know. Jacob. <laughs> it's well, it's 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 almost it's better than that. I would say right, he, he right. calls he calls himself the cum dog. Oh, <laughs> which um, which oh. I think also would work on uh, as a trending item on Twitter. So Jason Cummings is the cum dog, and maybe Dominic Cummings um, should start referring to, uh, to to that as well himself as that as well. Um, the Brexiteers of the week, yes, please. Uh, they are a lot of them are, are Cummings related, as you would imagine. Uh, oh, that's my mum phoning. Should we get her on the podcast? I don't think we should at the moment. Uh, much as I love her, um, they are Cummings related. Um, Darren Grimes, obviously, uh, he was outraged, wasn't he, when Catherine Calderwood uh, resigned on April the fifth. Um, she was obviously Scot- Scotland's chief medical medical officer, wasn't she? And she said that she'd been to her family's second home. And Darren Grimes, who obviously was involved in uh, the vote leave uh, stuff, um, he tweeted at the time, those who make the rules cannot be found breaking the rules. This is the quickest way to lose public trust in the official advice. And after Dominic Cummings was found to have broken the rules, Dominic Cummings said... Uh, it's time for most of the media to be honest about their true motives behind the hounding of Dominic Cummings. This is actually breaking my heart. The media are monsters, utter monsters. Tom Harwood, um, who uh, I didn't know very much about before this weekend, but was dragged out. He's a, he works for the website Guido Forks. Um, he told uh, Sky News, uh, I was... I mean, I was creased up watching this on Sunday. He was the sort of the warm-up act just before Dominic Cummings came out. He said, Dominic Cummings has made huge sacrifices. He said he was being persecuted just because he's not a people person. Um, and, um, and when Professor Neil Ferguson had to resign from SAGE after admitting that his lover had visited his home, um, uh, Tom Harwood said at the time, the man most responsible for locking everyone up has been breaking the rules. He told us to follow Prick. Um, <laughs> I want to nominate the Daily Express as Brexiteers of the Week. They have had the chance to do, at the time of recording this, they've had to do um, six front pages since the Dominic Cummings news came out. Um, only one of those front pages uh, led with Dominic Cummings. He was actually, he's actually only featured on two of the six. So if you've been buying the Daily Express this week, you would you would be forgiven for thinking that you know, nothing really had happened about Dominic Cummings at all. Um, a couple of the stories that were bigger, uh, hurrah, shops to open soon. Uh, let's all go on a British summer holiday. Uh, safety plan to unlock Britain. And uh, today's, and we're recording this on Thursday's front page, uh, it slipped my mind what uh, what that is. Um, but um, but um, certainly the big blurb across the top is they think that the biggest story, one of the, the second biggest story of the day, rather, is Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen, uh, how my plan to get sacked backfired. Um, so good work there from the Daily Express. Prue Leaf, did you see Prue Leaf? Prue Leaf, I remember during the referendum, sort of said she was voting leave and, and made a, a, a fuss subsequently and said, you know, it's ridiculous that people who voted leave in the media are being persecuted. I think, it, you know, I'm not sure they were being persecuted, um, but she's entitled to her own opinion. Um, she um, weighed in on the Dominic Cummings thing. She said, how about a bit of kindness and tolerance? 
she was retweeting um, an MP's uh, uh, tweet, which said that uh, their journey was necessary within the rules. Uh, what's necessary is not attacking a man and his family for decisions taken at a time of great stress and worry. Um, and uh, she said, yeah, well said. How about a bit of kindness and tolerance? It's worth noting um, that the, the tweet that uh, Leaf was retweeting there was from uh, Danny Kruger. He is a former key aide to Boris Johnson. He is the Conservative MP for Devises. He has said that uh, getting rid of Dominic Cummings would be tantamount to a vote of no confidence in Boris Johnson. He's said that if we get rid of uh, Dominic Cummings, uh, we will not get Brexit done. And he also happens to be Pruley which is probably why she's so keen on it. But the Brexiteer of the week oh, yes, yes, yes. is Sir Christopher Choke. Ooh. Because Ooh. of all the amazing, stupid stuff that we have seen this week, I'm not sure I've seen anything more ludicrous than the uh, letter that Christopher Choke sent to one of his constituents. Christopher Choke is 73. Um, if you don't know who he is, you probably remember him for delaying the, the upskirting bill. Um, he's, he's been a, 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 an MP for several years. He was an MP um, in the Thatcher years. He lost his seat in 1992. Amazingly, he won it back you know, in 1997. He was he's one of the, the, the few Tory MPs to actually win a seat in that big Blair landslide, presumably because of tactical voting. Um, and he's held his seat ever since. And a, a constituent wrote to him and said, uh, Dominic Cummings must go. Uh, will you tell Boris Johnson this? And he replied, Dominic Cummings' commendable work ethic needs to be channeled into resolving many outstanding issues. These include the two-metre social distancing guideline, which is twice that of the World Health Organization's guideline and is adding to the financial burden and logistical nightmare of relaxing <laughs> lockdown. Another issue is the, the, the force of illegal migrants being trafficked in ever-larger numbers across the channel making a mockery of our border controls, public health protection policy, and the ridiculous proposals to in introduce quarantine for everyone arriving lawfully in the UK from June the 8th. So, um, he, uh, to sum up, Christopher Choke wants to put the person who broke lockdown in charge of easing lockdown, uh, and he also wants to tighten up on migrants and it is, appears to be the fault of uh, migrants uh, uh, for this whole uh, thing in the in the, uh, in the first place. So Christopher Chope uh, is the Brexiteer of the week. And I, I, I mean, I, I thought things could not get any crazier uh, until <laughs> so, I saw that. So Christopher Chope, you are a joke. That's a half rhyme for those who study poetry. Like oh, it's I good. And, um, and be gone with you. I think that's the first time. I think it's the first time he's probably won Brexit. I think he might have been in Brexit the week before. Yeah, he's been in before. Yeah, he's won it before, and still no one has made a list. Still, no. Come on, not. listeners, get this list up and running. Um, now then, just quickly, we've had a, quite a decent response actually. To um, we wanted to talk about, we were planning some some extra pods aren't we for the for the we summer are months. we're planning some bonus um, episodes, some bonus episodes, and we'd sort of asked. Asked you what you thought, and I think I think is there a is there a poll already up on Twitter, or there's going to be one very shortly. Yeah, uh, there'll be a right? poll up on Twitter by the time you're listening to this. So um, please do check our out ideas. The, are... Yeah, yeah, we'll check out the new European uh, Twitter account. I presume you'll be able to do it on. Yep, that's right. Yeah, um, so you'll be able to do it on, uh, on Facebook choose... as well. 
Um, yeah, you will be. Uh, you can choose between um, uh, a series on political films where we'll, we'll we'll bring a guest, we'll watch a political film together, we'll tell you what we thought of it. Um, we uh, we could also talk about uh, scandals, great political <laughs> be a bit scandals, like this podcast, that one, wouldn't it? And explore them. Yeah, it would be. Again, we'd bring in a special guest, and uh, I think we'd do some funny voices. Um, we might do, <laughs> and quite a few it. people have said they like this idea. I think the film club and this idea are sort of um, are, are very pop- seem very popular. Uh, we would review and rate and tell the alternative history of all of Britain's prime ministers, uh, amazing stories and hilarious historical reenactments, it says here. Yes, well, you I- might want us to just do something else entirely, so just tell us. Yeah, we yeah. We're, we're really keen on doing this, especially um, you know when when summer rolls around. I think, and there's you know there's always going to be plenty for us to talk about. But it's nice to maybe just do something a bit different. I, I'm I'm quite looking forward to this. I think it should be fun. Yeah, so let too. us know what you think. Um, uh, wait a minute, have we tied into agreeing with the listener on this one, or are we just going to do what we want, whatever? No, I think we're going to do what we want, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, have, a, we'll have a fig leaf of, uh, of democracy. Yeah. What would be nice is yeah. if we can do, we could tell you guys, of course, what the, what the film is going to be, it's sort of watch-along sort of thing, and you watch exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. And maybe, maybe even a couple of you could, could come on and give us your little reviews, or, you know, we oh, could yeah, certainly do indeed. that, that'd be great. Um, That's the plan. I tell you what, I was thinking as an idea for a pod. I thought it could be a podcast where we talk like ordinary people. Oh yeah, that would be amazing. What Have, like um, you, like the Telegraph are doing? Have you seen this? Yeah, like uh, Alison Pearson. Yeah, <laughs> what a brilliant ordinary idea. people. What, what Aaron thought, Liam, uh, Aaron Liam Gilligan. Yeah, I thought, do you know what? I think I think we already talk like ordinary people. I think we've already got their first Daily Telegraph. Yes, that's right. Yeah. We certainly do. No and idea. quite amazing. Absolutely no idea. Of all the ideas, they went for that one. I imagine this huge whiteboard in Telegraph Pod headquarters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we could do something. Oh, we could do one where we talk like ordinary people. Oh, wow, that's a great idea. Uh, Incredible. Yes. Incredible stuff. Stick with the new European. You don't, need the, you don't need the Daily Telegraph. Steve, thank you very much. What should the listener do right now? Uh, prepare for a week without me, which uh, and my rambling, because uh, even though my trip to Seville is, is off, I am uh, having a rest next week. I've got some big plans. You've got pretty, something up your little sleeve, haven't you? Pretty, pretty big for next week. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> big. Uh, you can please buy the the, the new European um, fantastic cover again. The guy who does these covers, Chris Barker, is is a genius. Nerd Immunity yeah, uh, is the front cover. The it new is European fantastic. is available in all good uh, news agents. You can um, you can uh, also go to the new uk, subscribe. Uh, you get 13 issues for 13 quid if you're a new subscriber. Um, you can, uh, it would be great if you left a great review of this podcast on your podcatcher of choice. Especially important um, if you're listening through Apple Podcasts and iOS. Uh, so please do that for us. Um, join the New European Facebook Readers Group. Uh, just hang out at the New Europeans timeline on Facebook. And you can follow us. Uh, on Twitter at the New European, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sanglesey, S A N G L E S E Y. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Or you can follow me at Porritt, P O R R I T. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. 
for more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. It means the absolute world to us. If you haven't already, please do go and uh, pick up a copy of the printed product. It's £3. It's in all good news agents nationwide. Uh, or if you want it delivered to your door, you can, of course, subscribe if you go onto the website. Plenty of politics, as you might expect. Plenty of coronavirus, very sadly. But also lots of art and culture as well. It's well worth a look. I will be back next week. Until then, Mr Campbell... Play your bagpipes. Here you go. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.